Dern. 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 I bet this will get more listens than any other episode if we just say Dern. 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 Dern? Dern. Dern to Dern Dern. How long will we keep it up? Dern. 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 We jump the Dern. (sighs) Hey, everybody. Hey, it's us again. We... We thought we'd come back this month just to say hi before the next month, you know. Squeeze one out before Labor Squeeze Day. Squeeze a quick one out before we close the beaches and, you know, go back to our normal lives. Yep. We're lifeguards. Did you guys know that? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just beach bums. Come see us at the shore. Which one? All of them. Belmar. Yeah. That's a town. Yeah. That's a short town. I thought Belmar was, like, right here somewhere. That's at the Jersey Shore. Ah, Jersey has a shore now. Good for them. Yeah, climate change. Yeah, what are you going to do? Speaking of climate change, Philadelphia's underwater right now. Yeah! Hello, survivors. We are recording in... Yeah, <laughs> we, that was like old-timey diver gear. Yeah, we're in a bell, bell diver helmet. Yeah, like that movie with Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, show me the money? Nope. Million Dollar Baby? Yeah, oh, uh, getting further. <laughs> what is that movie? It's, I believe it's Men of Honor. Ah, Mennonite Honor. <laughs> Love that. Well, there's been some exciting developments in the world of Laura Dern. Um, she got a Lucille Ball doll. I'll show you a photo of it. It's a doll of Lucille Ball from Everyone Loves Lucy. Excuse me, I love Lucy. Everyone loves Sorry. Lucy. I'm a little, I'm a little drunk on the tomato. Ricky. <laughs> I'm a little drunk on the tomato sandwich I just ate. So I'm. Part- That's true. We are stuffed. We had oyster and sandwich from a lovely place called Sunny's Cocktail Joint. Filled with chashkis. Yep, and they, uh, they just paid for this episode. <laughs> They paid. Uh, yeah, they they gave me money. Did they oh, not give you money? Ugh. Oh yeah, the guy pulled me aside. He said, "Talk about us on your podcast. We heard you have one." But he did it in like a higher pitched, more Italian voice. Hey, what? A, hey, no talk, higher. Hey, talk about us yeah, on your podcast. Go. He's the second high pitched Italian man I've gotten food from in the last two days. Ah, uh, you know, I guess he was a pretty high pitched Italian man. Yeah, I was just so excited to be there. I kind of didn't notice. Oh yeah, no. I... Um, she had her, her son turn 20 recently. Laura Dern, not the Italian man. Boo! Yeah. Stop aging. Don't trust anyone over 30. (laughs) Um, she went to London. She had a weird thing with Reese Witherspoon and like voicemails. I'll play a clip from her Instagram. What? What? This was aimed at Reese Witherspoon. I don't know. I think they're friends. You know their friends. Oh yeah, we they spend. About the... No, no, nope. Courtney Cox. Oh, excuse me, excuse Ugh. me. I mixed her up with another white woman. You take a few weeks off. And uh, oh, Ed Asner died. Bummer. Oh. She was apparently friends with him. Oh, she also talked about the dangers of vaping. <laughs> let me let me read this. Get over yourself. Let me read Dern. this. Let me read this. People. People magazine headline to you. Laura Dern says being a mother inspired her to warn teens about the dangers of e-cigarettes. What a square. Right? Fucking hawk and skin oils and she has the nerve to talk about vaping. Get a job, you fucking busybody. Hippie. Yeah, that's pretty much all the all the news in the world of Dern. You know, she's still 
turn off. She's still doing all that Laura Dern stuff. Yep. Man, I don't know. I don't know what it was about that intro, but I am sweaty. Well, I turned off the. Oh, air. that's it. Yeah. I thought we were just so. Hot. <laughs> and you're wearing overalls. I thought we were so hot. <laughs> and you're dressed like you're in a barnyard. <laughs> I always dress like this. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a I'm a city boy. I'm a little bit city and a little bit country. A little bit of rock and roll. You can take the farm out of the boy, but you can't lead a horse to farm water. Yeah. So yeah, what's been up with you, Max? We've been off for a few weeks. Oh, Anything you know. new? You get any taller? I know you've been Always. taking those tall boy pills I sold you last time, <laughs> right after we aired. I'm almost, uh, as I said, um, <laughs> someone told me I look like Hosier, ah. which once I googled a picture of Hosier was pretty flattering, um, but it turns out he is six foot six, which makes them a full 14 inches taller than me. That is like 14 Subway, a- I almost said 14 Subway sandwiches. That is like, <laughs> that is one and one third Subway foot long. Mm. You gotta work on your fractions. I am running. I'm playing. I'm recording without a net here, Max. One and one six. Fast and loose. One and one six, Nicholas. But it's a baker's foot, so it's actually 13. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That was dumb. So. Have you listened to this show? Yeah, it's not smart. Um, you know, life, man. What's the deal? Yeah, you got, um, the, the Jeopardy host. Yeah. So, <laughs> you want to know something shameful? Go for it. He was one of the only people I saw guest host, and I was like, I really like this guy. I mean, I'm sure he was fine in it, but it's kind of weird that he played that big long game of like having all those esteemed guest hosts, and then he was like, ah, I'm just going to do it. That'll be me. Alex liked me. We talked a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I didn't know Alex, but like, we talked. Once he said, Get me a coffee, and I said, I work here. And then I got him a coffee. It was a good time. That's that's my character work. Now he doesn't have a job. That's my tight five. Yeah, well, poor guy. I bet he'll be on the welfare line tomorrow. Just another sucker on the dole. wonder if he has his own Wheel of Fortune at home. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, you know Pat has one. Pat? No. Oh, yeah. Pat has... No, Pat's like too... That's not not Wheel of Fortune. Excuse me. Um, the you know what I mean. The wheel. From the Wheel of Fortune. Oh, it is Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, you got I it. I mixed up the. There's the so many game shows. Exactly. Pat I, does not have a Wheel of Fortune. That's his bed. Pat has a collection of oh ceramic dolls <laughs> all around his circular bedroom, and they all stare it's at the bed in complete darkness. The only light is actually the eyeballs in each of the dolls. Oh my god! Are real. African wildcat eyes. He poaches them. He makes the dolls. <laughs> and he lives in total darkness surrounded by them. <laughs> Vanna, she's got a wheel. Yeah, you're probably right. I love how you're making up this lore about two just nice older people that work I'd in say TV. Jack is definitely not nice. I think he's nice. I mean, it, it, no nice person has a head that large. Physically. <laughs> I don't know why. Come That's on. a rule. That is not a rule. That's what ego Come on. Is. Read Freud. I, I hate that you're doing Duh. this. I don't think he's a bad man. I don't think he would have made Pat it this Sajak far. Jack sucks. 
Some, <laughs> if you're listening, if you got me tooed by Pat Sajak, <laughs> tell the world. What the fuck? We know it happened. Wait, but that implies that Pat Sajak unveiled the person that you were asking. Like, Pat Sajak was the one who, sa- who said this is a bad person, and then this bad no, person... No, you... you nah, hmm, he has a big head. <laughs> he has a big head, he can't be trusted. Don't fucking bean dad me. <laughs> I'm gonna bean dad you all the way to the bank, buddy. <laughs> That's a trope. Careful. <laughs> oh. I... <laughs> But it's <laughs> uncomfortable. Everything we yeah. say has so many references behind it that I'm getting lost. Yep, that's fair. So look, would would look. I be Jewish or would you be Jewish in what I just said? I'm really not sure. Let's not dive too yeah. deeply. We'll get lost. Pat Sajak sucks. Sure. Hat, do you have any feelings about um? Give me a second. Um, Take your time. No one's waiting. Uh, <laughs> What's listening? Jabria's listening. Um, Neil might be listening still. That's it. Hey, Mike still listens. Does he? Yeah. Oh, that Mike. I thought you met my Mike. No. The other Mike. Oh, Mike. Isn't this fun? Who was the guy that hosted America's Funniest Home Videos that wasn't Bob Saget? Oh. Because he, I I, he shares my birthday, and I was going to ask if you had opinions about him, but you don't even know his name, so it doesn't matter. Bob Saget? He, he, He's probably whatever. Yeah. He hosts um, Dancing with the Stars now. Never heard of it. I don't like anything about you, you <laughs> evil little man. Never heard of it. Get out of town. You've been on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <sighs> well, I've been to the beach twice since we've recorded, and I've just crossed off all of my things I wanted to mention. Oh, good. So... Do you want to start on this big dern? Big dern. Big old dern. Big sloppy dern. Open your dern holes. <laughs> Love that new soundboard. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, I found it on the side of the road. It's so crazy that it has all these Laura Dern sound effects preloaded into it. What are the odds? Man, it, what if <laughs> some other people started a Laura Dern podcast? And they were doing it for a few months, and then they found out we have been doing it a little longer, and they just, like, threw out the board. And they just suicide-packed it. I guess. So I guess, I was gonna say we were the Washington Generals of Dern Podcasting, but we were actually the, <laughs> we are the Harlem Globetrotters of go. Dern. I was getting there. Washington No, the other, those other Generals. poor dead saps were the Washington Generals. Yeah. Did you know they kill all of them after each game? Nope. It's crazy that people keep signing up to do it. Anyway. So... <laughs> We are recording this on a very auspicious day. I don't know if you've seen the popular internet meme around the Jurassic Park fandom of a old scratched off billboard and it has a little Jurassic Park logo and it says September 2nd. Oh no. It's a very ominous image. It is from Australia and it is simply referring to the Australian premiere date of the original. Are we sure it's not February 9th? I am sure that it is September 2nd. Okay. There might be another one that is similar. I mean, because the dates, 2992, they've written ah, it differently. Because they're upside down because they're on the bottom of the yeah, world. Correct. And their toilets flush wrong. No, it is definitely September 2nd. And it, it says September 2nd. And it's like, it's an old billboard. And it's like, it was, someone saw it and was like, that's old. And they took a picture. Anyway, so original Jurassic Park, 1993, debuted on this day in Australia. And wow. Australia, of course, is the home of a Mr. Sam Neill, star of this film, Jurassic Park 3. Circa 2001. 
This movie came out three months before 9-11. This was the last dinosaur movie to be untainted by the international scar that was the September 11th attacks. Do you, do you suspect this was a cause? <laughs> I do, yes. This movie and the absence of a Mr... Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Thank you. Don't, don't get into tropes here now. Wait, what? Oh, that I can't remember people's names? Sure. Ah, whatever. Anyway, yeah, he wasn't here. And that's why 9-11 happened. I'll say it. Okay, so. Are you are you insinuating? Just so our <laughs> listeners are clear, I want this on the record. Are you insinuating that Jeff Goldblum did 9-11? No, I am simply saying his lack of movie presence in the months prior to it was the impetus for 9-11. Thank you. Not that he was... No, he was not Not involved. in the movie strictly because he was masterminding... No, I, ass- I assume he was playing jazz somewhere at the time. Terror attack. No, he wasn't involved, probably. Yeah, most likely. I mean, he maybe blue skied it a bit, but he wasn't really in it for the, the whole of the planning. <laughs> okay, so this movie does not include much Laura Dern. Let me start right there. It's kind of a bummer. I do remember as a child Laura Dern being in it very briefly and thinking, ah, that's the lady from the other one. You're such a smart boy. I was. was Were you in Mensa? No. I wasn't reading Remediation, though. Really? And boy, can I read now. Like a... (laughs) can read read like it's catching. September 2nd, (laughs) Nick's got it. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. But, uh, yeah. I remember very specifically once I was watching Jurassic Park 3 on a VCR in my family living room and I was stapling some crafts because it was a snow day and I stapled my finger and my mother was outside shoveling the porch, the back porch, and I went out and said, I stapled my finger. I want the listener to know that this could have happened last winter. Oh, it did. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I was young. I'm going to say seven. Okay. A hard seven. No, no. Soft seven. So. Man, I sure have to talk about this, don't I? You do. That's what we're Okay, for. so we open on a boat. Kind of out in the island. There's a little thing that says uh, off the coast of Ilsa. Not Ilsa Nubar, but it's the second island, and it was the second site for Jurassic Park. It's not really talked about. Do they have another island? They have another island that was more of the experimental island. Like where they were doing all of the research and like back work that, and it would have been like the basically the research center outside of the main theme park, but of course it all went down after Jurassic Park. Sure. And then Jurassic Park Two. What real quick? Lost what in San Francisco. In Jurassic Park Two. Uh, Jurassic Park Two. Uh, basically, they had a. I, I haven't watched this one as recently, but basically they try to open a, another Jurassic Park in I'm gonna say San Francisco. And obviously a dinosaur gets out and then kind of walks around the suburbs for a minute and then they ship it back to Ilsa Nubar and that's it. It's not bad. Okay. It does not have Sam Neill or Laura Dern. Excuse me, I was fighting with a burp there for a moment. Um, but yeah, it's okay. So the third one now, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, we open on, we don't open on them, we open on this boat. Stop distracting. It's, <laughs> so they're off the coast of that island, they're kind of going around, they're, um, parasailing off of the boat and it's very like indiana jones vibes like the guy driving the boat and he's like ah, i'm a professional 
We'll get you close to the island. He, he reminded me of the airplane guy from Indiana Jones. Sure. And they're going. It's this young boy and an older man, assumedly his dad. We don't really know yet. Does Sam Neill just frighten and berate this young child? No, Sam Neill has not shown up yet. Okay. So they're, they're off, they're going, they're going, and then they go through some fog, and they feel a jerk, and then when they come out of the fog, the people are gone from the boat, and there's little dinosaurs on the boat. And then they cut the rope and glide off, and that's all we see of them for right now. Let's see, we go, we cut to, uh, Sam Neill in a backyard, some suburban paradise house. He's playing with a child. The child is making dinosaur noises with a dinosaur and like, it's like a, I think it's a, one of the long neck dudes. And he's like, I'm going to eat you. And Sam Neill's like, actually, they were herbivores. They were herbivores. And the child doesn't care. And then Laura Dern comes out and says, he's a baby. He won't know for another few years. Stop berating and frightening that child like you do, Sam Neill. We do think that perhaps it is their child, but then we slowly realize that they never had children and broke up sometime after the first movie because Sam Neill can't be tied down by a woman. What? I know. Wasn't that like the the whole movie? I know. Well, hey, man. Hollywood, Hollywood isn't always as glitzy as it seems. Sometimes there's dark secrets. (laughs) <laughs> like Sam Neill and Laura Dern not staying together after Jurassic Park. Anyway, we find out that he has become a writer. He is still a writer. He wrote about Jurassic Park. He's doing a lot of uh, Velociraptor research. That's kind of his study now because he, of course, you know, dealt with Velociraptors very hands-on. And he's doing a lecture. It's like in a big lecture hall, basically explaining what he's learned so far about Velociraptors, why he needs funding and support. And all these people are kind of listening and they seem very bored. And then he's done. And it's that thing where like the woman who's running the thing behind him has to start clapping before everyone else realizes yeah. that's it. And it's kind of like, eh. And then both the people are bored with the guy who like But the thing is survived the modern dinosaur attack. He, he then asks if there are any questions, and everyone raises their hands, and then he says, Are there any questions not relevant to Jurassic Park or the incident in San Francisco and everyone's hands goes down? Because that's, yeah. that's all anyone wants to hear about, and he doesn't care. He just wants to do science, because he's a man of science. Not a man of love, or Jurassic Park. Or cool shit. Yeah, they just want to know about the canon of the first two movies, and he is not about that. He wasn't even there for the second one. Then we cut to what I always remember being one of my favorite parts of the third one. That's like this, the inside of a plane cockpit, and there's this dude spray-painting eyes on the two window panels, like the two front ones. And then he goes back and he's fiddling with some explosives. And then we see my favorite character of all, Michael Jeter. 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 Hmm. You may recognize him as the mentally challenged man from The Green Mile. Michael Clark Duncan? No, the actually mentally challenged man from The Green Mile. Like the the guy who... Oh, that guy. Yeah, he was like the archetype of the mentally ill person put to death. He was also one of the characters in... um, he was one of the train conductors in, what was that movie called? Um, the, Polar the Polar Express. Express. Thank you. He died of AIDS, though. Very sad. Aww. But anyway, he's in it. There's this satellite phone, and we hear the ring, and it's a very distinct ring that comes back many times in the movie. It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. If you've seen the movie, you are very familiar with this sound. Anyway, he's talking with a man, and he's basically like, oh, we're all ready to go, yada yada. And then we cut to Sam Neill on the archaeological dig site. Of course, very reminiscent of the first one, the beginning of the first one, where he traumatizes that child. No children, though. He's just there with his buddy. His buddy's name is Billy. 
Billy's a good egg. And Billy also has um, a rapid prototyper, which is a fancy way to say a 3D printer. And he 3D prints like the noise box of a Velociraptor. This becomes a very important, um, I believe you would call it a Chekhov's gun of the film. Because they use it to shoot Velociraptors Kill later in the movie. They, they blow the bullets out of the holes. No, they print it and like they make the sound and then they realize like, oh, they had a thing in their head that made sounds. And they're also kind of going off on this thing where they believe Velociraptors were incredibly intelligent and could communicate with noises and basically like, if there hadn't been a mass extinction event, they probably would have been the dominant species on Earth. And this all sounds very real. Like, maybe it's science. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't think Michael Crichton was involved in this film, so. He was briefly. So there are no libertarian undertones? No, there are not. What are you going to do? And then we meet none other than Paul Kirby, played by the beloved William H. Macy. <gasps> yes, he is in this movie, and I love that so much. Also, his wife is Tia Leone? Tia Leone. Thank you. Tia Leone. William H. Macy. And Taylor. No, impossible. Well, they are introduced as husband and wife. Um, buh, 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 buh. They basically hire Sam Neill. They say, we've done all this elaborate um, adventuring in our lives. We went to K2. We did the Amazon. We want to do something very spectacular for our anniversary. So we want to fly as low as we can over Ilsa Nubar and have you basically show us around. And... He's very skeptical. You know, he doesn't want to go back to this place where he had the most traumatic events of his life. And they basically say, like, we will give you any amount of money you want. And then it goes to Sam Neill doing a little smirk, and then it cuts to them on a plane. Like, yeah, he did it. And they're on the plane. They're kind of, they're flying low. And they're there for a while, and I believe Sam Neill falls asleep on the plane. Uh Uh-oh. And he wakes up to Billy shaking him, saying something's going on and of course he says what and he says they're looking for they're landed at this point on not ilsa newbar but ilsa ilsa fisher i don't know the other one and they're looking for their son the boy from earlier but who is that man he was with we'll find out soon and they're yelling with a megaphone they have like um do mercenaries with guns surrounding the airplane and it's very it's very bad (laughs) they're making a lot of noise and trouble on this island that's infested with dinosaurs running amok and uh, as you can imagine they get attacked by a dinosaur they're trying to take off the plane and an enormous dinosaur just runs across the runway it kind of clips them and then they fall through the trees and whatnot uh, a whole bunch of actiony stuff happens the plane falls and then a dinosaur kind of rolls it like a toy um, it eats one of the eats one of the pilots what kind of dinosaur? Um, that's a very good question. I think I have it written down here. It was a Stegiosaurus, I believe. So basically like a a long-billed T-Rex with like spines on the back. Like a, a hump of spines. Stegosaurus? No. I think it was a... It was a big fucking dinosaur. <laughs> it was a really big dinosaur, and apparently it was a big deal. At the time, it was the largest animatronic they'd ever built, ever. Wow. It was, it could turn its head quicker than gravity, like over 100 miles an hour. It could whip its head back and forth. It was completely waterproof. I was reading a lot of specs on this thing earlier. (laughs) It was apparently very impressive. So the plane gets fucked up, obviously. They do that thing where they all approach a dinosaur that's eating something. And Sam Neill says, everyone stay perfectly still. It senses movement. And the second he's done, everyone just runs. And he's like, ugh, tourists. So then he follows them. 
they pretty much run off. They kind of collect themselves. They... Do they ever do like a Benny Hill kind of music thing? Or like the dinosaurs are chasing them? Nah, not well, really. There's one scene where Samuel falls between two logs and the dinosaurs step right on top of him, but the logs stop the feet. There's some very good visuals in this scene section of the film with the plane rolling and that. And then uh, the beans get spilled. And we find out that uh, William H. Macy is not rich. He has never been to K2. And uh, he owns a plumbing store somewhere in Indiana, I believe. And he's still banging Taylor. They are divorced. They have been divorced for a year. Oh. And they apparently did not like each other very much, but... They teamed back up to get their son back. I believe the man that his son was with was either a family friend or her new boyfriend. I don't quite remember. It doesn't really matter. He's dead now. In fact, right around this time, he falls from a tree still strapped into the uh, parachute from earlier. We find They find a camera, and there's footage of them stuck in the tree, and we basically find out that the man cut the boy down, and he stayed up there and starved to death, I guess. Bummer. What a way to go. But hey, if you have to die on a dinosaur island, get eaten by dinosaurs. Nah, just starve to death in a tree. Uh. Um, also, at one point, they say, like, we'll be fine. You've been here before. And Samuel says, I have not been here before. This is the other island. Get it right. At there this, are two islands. At, Everybody knows this at now. The, at this point, uh, Michael Cheater says, wait, there's two islands full of dinosaurs? And everyone looks at him and says, looks at him and says stay out of it. And I was like... <laughs> I mean, valid question. So Sam Neill basically says, um, you probably won't get off this island alive, but if you stick with me, you just might. And then, you know, everyone sticks with him because he's Sam Neill. Yeah. Uh, they kind of do a little bit of wandering. They're back at the plane. They're scrounging whatever they can. Sam Neill and Billy are looking at d- different dinosaur leavings. I think there was some sort of slime and they were looking at it. And they realize that there are dinosaurs on this island that were not on the original manifest for Ilsa Nubar. Which means, like, they were experimenting with stuff and, like, there could be anything on this island dinosaur-wise, which is bad. Yeah. You know, it's not good. You know, if, in you, a, if you have a dinosaur island, you want to know what's there. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're on a overgrown, run-amuck, genetics nightmare island. <laughs> you know, as one does. So it's like Dr. Zhivago's <laughs> dinosaur island. Wasn't Dr. Zhivago Russian? I, I don't know. Wait, his country of origin? No, I thought Doctor Zhivago was. The one with the, the, oh, oh Doctor Moreau. Moreau. I was gonna say Zhivago is like a classical Russian you musical know. of some sort. You know, I don't know much about it. Um, Billy wanders off. He gets some Velociraptor eggs. Bad idea. Terribly. He basically says to Sam later on, like, "I thought I could have sold them for billions," and Sam was like, "You're a fucking idiot, Billy." And he was right. Billy but was he done. could have probably sold them. Yeah, but they were stuck on an island with no way off. Yeah. Like and believe two. it or not, velociraptors do not like when you steal their eggs. They're like chickens, but bigger. <laughs> <laughs> a lot bigger. They eventually get to a research center that is very like um, like the main visitor center in the original Jurassic Park. It's like similar vibes, similar looks. There's a very... Does it have, like, a ride? <laughs> no, God, I wish. I wish there was some old, decrepit ride. Oh, God. There's a... They go... There's some vending machines, and a William H. Macy... <laughs> there's vending machines, and William H. Macy is going through his pocket change, and he's like, I got a dollar fifty, and then Billy just kicks one in and starts taking stuff out. Yeah, Billy. And then Billy Willi- rules. And then William tries doing it, but he can't. He Stealing hits it and eggs. just kind of knocks him back. <laughs> Billy, I don't know. 
Billy's alright, you guys. You know why? Because it's Taylioni's kid. He's raised right. Wait, what? Wait, isn't he? No, no, no. Wait, who the hell's Billy? Billy is Sam Neill's... Oh, Sam Neill's kid. Par- no, not his but kid. But not his real kid. Good. Yes, his mentor. Mentee. Oh, oh Billy, a, Billy's a grown man. Yes, he is an older, oh, okay. younger man. He, I'm gonna say he's not quite thirty yet. Got it. Sorry, I forget what the actual boys. I think the mm, shit. I can't remember the real boy's name, but he's here somewhere. So they get to the research center. Yada yada yada. There's a bunch of clone pods, like old, like green water and gross. At one point, Taya Leone is kind of walking and looking at each one, and then she gets to one that has a full size Velociraptor head in it. But it's not in it. It's behind it. And then the Velociraptor tries to go between the tanks, but he can't because he's big. And then they get chased for a little bit. They get into this cage area. And they kind of like... There's this metal door that swings open in a way that it jams and leaves a triangle in the corner. So two of the characters, I think it's Billy and Taylo Leone, are stuck in there. And then the Velociraptor jumps on it. And then the Velociraptor looks up and realizes, oh, I can climb over because they're very smart. So he, as soon as he gets off the ground, they push the door, loop it all the way around, and lock it so that he is stuck in his own corner. And then he starts calling for help, like making help noises. And of course, this is a thing Sam Neill remembers for later, because they have the voice box, and they can make the help noise, but that is later. Uh, let's see. They kind of they run for their lives. They go for a wooded area up a big tree. Uh, Jeter gets it. No. Yeah, he's like running. Does he have like a cute little mustache in this one? Yeah, no. he's ball. He's ball. He has like a big ball patch and a little mustache. He's he's doing a big run. He takes off his backpack to gain a little speed, and then he just gets big claw right in the spine. But he's they leave him alive as a trap, like he's on the ground, still crawling a little bit. And then Tia Leon tries to get down, and then she falls, and she's dangling like by her legs upside down off a tree. And the Velociraptors are jumping up at her like pinatas. <laughs> like she's a pinata, excuse me. It's very fun and very scary. Sam Neill wanders off, and he's about to get attacked by a dinosaur. But you know what? Somebody throws a smoke bomb and saves him. Oh, that's a Billy move. That was not Billy. That was the child. That was the kid. Yes, whatever not the kid's Billy. name is. Billy's in the tree yes, the with the eggs that the Velociraptors want, which is why they're being attacked right now. Sure. So Billy is living in this kind of overturned truck fortress that he built. He has a bunch of snacks that he found, weapons. He has um, T-Rex pee. Wait, Billy or the kid? The kid. No. Billy is new to this island. Um, The kid has been there for, I think, six to eight weeks now. So he still survived, which is good. He's living. He has food. He's apparently big into dinosaurs. Like, he read um, Sam Neill's books. They talk about it a little bit. He kind of criticizes Sam Neill on his work, even though he's a child. And I was like, cool. They talk about, um... Precocious little shit. They talk about... I'm sorry, what's his name again? Billy. No, the uh, the guy that's not in this movie. Jeff Goldblum? Yes, Jeff Goldblum. They talk about his work a little bit, and the kid's like, it's all chaos this and chaos that. I just don't yeah. like it. And I feel like that was their dig at him, even though he wasn't there to defend himself. <laughs> but yeah, so... <sighs> We have a little bit of Paul, Paul, excuse me, a little, yeah, Paul Kirby, William H. Macy kind of being a man and like talking to his ex-wife and you could see like they're trying to, they're starting to rekindle a little bit and he's a little more confident. He's not quite as lame, wimpy William H. Macy as he was (laughs) earlier. 
uh, I believe everyone everyone's back together now. Everyone finds each other. They're together. The parents hug the kid, and then they hear the satellite phone, the ring from earlier, and it's kind of just in the woods. And they realize, oh, they gave it to Paul to um, Jeter before. No, no, no. They gave it to the pilot who gets eaten very earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he had it when he was eaten. So it's inside of this very large, very dangerous dinosaur. They escape the dinosaur. They get on this foggy metal path. They're kind of walking. And then Sam Neill finds, like, dried, enormous bird poop. And then he looks up and sees the cage. And he takes Taya Leone and says, my God, we're in a bird cage. And she says, for what? For what? Pterodactyls, that's what. Pterodactyls on this island because it was their experimental island to try new stuff like pterodactyls. Cool. And, you know, there's some pterodactyl drama. Grabs the kid, takes him to feed it to the babies. The kid runs off. Billy has a parachute he got somewhere. He jumps off the structure to save the kid. He also gives the eggs to Sam Neill a little bit before this. At one point, I think, William H. Macy is... Why do they still have these eggs? I will explain to you. William H. Sam Neill... Will... Willie H. Macy says, why don't you just throw them in the river? And Sam Neill says, they're coming for us with or without the eggs. And it's going to be a lot better for us if we do have the eggs versus if we don't have, if they catch us without the eggs, like they'll just destroy them. So they keep the eggs because they need to return them. And then, uh, so Billy parachutes off, saves the kid. He falls and kind of gets stuck. Eventually, he's just going down the river and pterodactyls are pecking at him. He's gone. We don't know. Maybe. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he lives. Maybe not. He lives. I know you like Billy. So, oh, thank God we're back to Laura Dern. So they go on a little boat ride. They have a nice little talk. Um, Sam Neill is talking about Billy to the kid. And he's like, some, he was, to use this metaphor where he was comparing astrologists, astronomers and astronauts. Where like astronomers get to study this beautiful magnificent thing but they don't ever put themselves in danger whereas astronauts do and he was like billy was an astronaut yeah it was like cool billy did cool shit then they find a big old fucking pile of poop which apparently was portrayed by 250 pounds of oatmeal with some food dye and human bones in it was it michael jeter's yes I believe so. There were there were a lot of bones and they finally get they get the satellite phone cuz they hear it in the enormous pile of steaming shit. And they get back on the boat. He calls, of all people, Laura Dern. You know, not the authorities, not... Oh, so the, the phone has been shit out? Yes. The phone has been pooped, edited and poopeded, and it still works. So whoever made that satellite phone deserves a cash reward. That is science. So they get back on the boat. It's starting to rain now. It's, things are looking a little sketchy. Sam Neill calls Laura Dern. Laura Dern's son picks up, and he's... Samuel is like, it's me, the dinosaur man. Take me to your mom. And then the kid gets distracted by Barney on the TV, which is funny because dinosaurs. And at this point, that enormous dinosaur from earlier comes back and it's aquatic this time. And it's like taking him out, it's destroying the boat, all this wild shit's happening. And then Laura Dern finally picks up and all she hears is like, click. So she's freaked out, obviously. You know, she's still pretty traumatized from the first thing. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. No. No, there's more. <laughs> I'm just goofing with you. So we never see Laura Dern again. Bummer. 
Oh, she doesn't show up to rescue them? No, but she does send the Navy and the National Guard. Uh, so they okay. get off the boat. They, they're they underwater for a minute, and then they, they puncture a gas tank and light it on fire, for a, and the, the dinosaur goes away. For a moment, we think William H. Macy might be dead, and then he's back. He, he's literally, like, there is no amount of time. They don't build it up nearly enough. Like, he is dead, and two seconds later, he comes out. he just comes out of the water where he fell. Like, it's not like he, it was a whole thing. But they, they hug, everyone hugs, it's very clear this family is going to reform after this. And then they're they're all doing okay, they're dry, it's the next morning, they're walking towards the water, they hear it, they hear the ocean even. And then, big old gang of dinosaurs comes up, some velociraptors, it's very like- <laughs> With knives. Yeah, it's, it's very like jets. Yeah. <laughs> the sharks. And uh, they circle them, and they give the eggs back, the dinosaurs take them, and then they're kind of, even though they gave them the eggs, they're still kind of like- jumpy at him and then sam neil takes out the thing and does the help noise and they're all very confused and they just run away and then they get to the beach help comes they get off the beach they find out that billy is on the helicopter with them he survived wait so they ask for help in velociraptor and the velociraptor is just bail yeah they're like oh someone needs help i guess it can't be coming from these guys uh but yeah everything works out um, and th- when they're on the helicopter, um, Billy is there and he's, you know, very weak and probably on a lot of morphine. And he says, I rescued your hat and gives it back to Sam Neill, his little adventurer's hat. Oh. And, uh, that's the end of the movie. What happens with William H. Macy and that's the and end Taylor of the movie. Coney? And that's the end of the movie. Do you think they get back together? I think so. Assumedly, you know, we bond through trauma. I assume yeah. they probably will rekindle their love after this, especially after their family friend dash maybe her new boyfriend was murdered by time on this dinosaur island it's William H. Macy's plan all along ah oh, excuse me I was I'd kill a man parched. meh I'd kill a man have you ever seen Tower Heist her and Ben Stiller I was gonna I was gonna ask is that the Ben Stiller movie I have seen that <laughs> an Ocean's Eleven clone yeah. that isn't very good Ocean's yeah. Eleven with more old people love it but yeah, you know, I'd kill a man for William H. Macy. Yeah, well, yeah. Who would? When asked why he was in this film, he simply responded, because I get to fight a dinosaur, that's why. And you know what? Good for him. He's tired of these serious roles. He just wants to fight a dinosaur. Huh, well, I am exhausted. What's between your derns, Max? Um, let's start with, I haven't seen it in ages, but it's one of my favorite William H. Macy films that I think... Uh, isn't super popular. Um, you ever see The Cooler? That sounds like something, but I don't think I've seen he it, though. He is, like, he is so clinically unlucky. He has is, like, cursed, afflicted with bad luck. Uh-huh. So he is hired by casinos if someone's on a hot street <gasps> okay. to, like, go sit down next to them and they lose it all. And it's like, it's a romance, it's a drama, Alec Baldwin's like a casino owner piece of shit. I feel like I've seen this actually. It's got Maria Bello, one might call a poor man's tale, Leone. Um, there, there's a, a lovely cunnilingus scene, as I recall. Ah, yes. That, that came up in a documentary I watched about the movie rating system. That movie in particular? No, just the Conalangus scene. Oh, the, but the scene from that movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was a big deal. Um, great film. Yeah. More recently, Between My Turns, I've only just started, but I adore thus far, 
two eps in uh, Kingdom on Netflix. It is a Korean period piece, uh, feudal Korea, um, almost Game of Thrones vibes with the, the political, you know, changing rulers and things like that. But there are zombies. What? It's great. Oh, it's so good. Like, I, I want to rush through my <laughs> little turn just so I can kick you out and watch more Kingdom. Hey, man. Not going to lie to you. And what you mentioned, it. and I think I mentioned last time, but it's amazing. Everyone else knows this except you. The White Lotus. Yes, I'm behind the times. Sorry. Get with it, old man. I'm not doing it. Everyone's doing it. I used to be with it, and then they changed what it was. <laughs> And now, what is it? I find weird and scary. <laughs> It'll happen to you too. Anyhow, what what pray tell is between those derns of yours? Ah, big fat dick. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, let's see. I went to a dollar dog night. I ate my dollar dogs. How many dogs you put down? Uh, I did six. I could. I probably could have done more, but I think six was. A, I felt okay after it. I mean, this is at a Phillies game. Yes, by the way. a Phillies game. And these uh, are hot dogs. Yes, I missed Dollar Ceviche night, but thankfully <laughs> I was able to hit Dollar Dog night this year. I've never been to Dollar Dog night. I also haven't been to a Phillies game in at least half a decade. So you know, it was a good time. Got to do that. I my body did not reject all of the hot dogs until about twenty four hours later. I was the win. I was getting ready for bed, and usually I don't poop in the night anymore. Dollar dog no. I'm usually like a morning afternoon kind of guy now, but oof. Twenty four hours later my body just Kapow. And I'm glad it did, because I had to drive the de- to uh, Delaware the next day, so I would have rather it happened the night before than on the road. Cause oof. My car can't Tell take Tell us more. My car can't take another beating like what that. What would have happened if you damn near shit yourself <laughs> on the drive to Delaware? Well, Max, um you you know me. You know I'm not a proud man. I would rather pull over on the side of a highway and poop there than shit myself in a car. And I've done it many times. It's true. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, why not? I, I'm not I'm not shy. I kind of like... <laughs> You're too proud to shit in a car? I kind of like the breeze. Like, I don't... Most people haven't done this. But if you pull over on the side of, like, a turnpike and you open both your doors and kind of squat there and just pop a mean one out, you just... It's just a whoosh, whoosh of all the cars going by. It's like... It's like you're in a, on your cheeks. Yeah, it's like you're in a out like in a porta potty on a runway. It's it's really relaxing. Actually. You're welcome, listeners. Thank. I'm glad you all got to hear that. And if you're still listening, I got a tattoo yesterday mm. in the storm. I can't really show you all of it without it hurting, but it's, it's a, dragon. a dragon. It's a nice little dragon. It's very colorful. It is. I need to think of a name for him. From a distance and only seeing half of it, it looks almost. Susian. It goes kind of up here. It's a good guy. I've been wanting one for a while. I'm starting to fill this arm in a bit. Get some classical stuff. Probably going to go see a very famous Philadelphia tattoo artist named Topper soon. To get a little barkeep tattoo. Like an old timey shine in the glass with like the striped shirt and the no. arm thingy. Do you know what those are for? What? The arm thingy. The towel? No, like the... It's like a garter belt, but you see them on the arms of, like, barkeeps in, like, Western movies. I just assumed they were all in mourning? Maybe. Always. You know, it's the Wild West, baby. Do you know? Pew, pew, pew. No, I don't. I was curious. Oh. Anyway, I'll figure it out. Might be a fetish thing. 
It's like a, it's part of the, it's, it shows that you participate in autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> and also tend bar. You know, the old, the old funky Spider-Man. <laughs> one hand on Adam's apple, one hand on Adam's banana. Oh, wow. I recently watched an episode of BoJack that was about that, and they had a lot of funny names for it. Also, plowing through BoJack, I'm off to season, I'm in 2017, so I don't know what season that is, maybe four or five. There was a very good Dementia episode recently. I, they're definitely getting into episodes where they like play with the format like how they do it like there was one it was completely underwater and there was almost no vocals mm-hmm. there was one where you get to see like bojack's inner monologue for the whole episode and it's a different animation style and it's very interesting i'm really liking what they're doing with it and like all the long con jokes and stuff and all the background mumbo jumbo it's great watch bojack if you haven't if you're if you're the other if you haven't watched the white lotus or bojack Hey, both, right now. Get on it. For all our recently excommunicated Mormons tuning in. <laughs> and uh, I guess the only other thing I can say is uh, I finally saw Candyman. The 2001 Candy... Two, excuse me, 2021 Candyman. It was very good. It definitely dealt with a lot of racial injustice issues. Like, the idea that Candyman is any black person that was murdered by white people, essentially. And it was interesting. Tony Todd showed up, uh, some storylines and characters came back from the original one is the original one is race a theme i know it's um, known for being one of the only black yeah. serial killers monsters yeah murder i would say i mean it's in the first one it's like someone from like the like white uh well first of all spoiler alert if you've never seen the first candy man go see it now pause this go watch it and then don't come back <laughs> just just keep, keep going forward with your life but no like the main character is a lady who is from like the white um like elite academic circles of chicago and she's researching like black urban legends and the candy man and stuff like this and it, the whole the original original candy man was an artist who fell in love with a white woman and was essentially lynched because of it uh. So, and then it turns out that she was that white woman. It's like this generational, like, so many people come back around thing. So it definitely involved race, for sure. Like, just, I feel like the new one definitely deals with race a lot more in the 2021 sense of, like, you know, how things are now and riots and whatnot, the way police just kill people. Stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely worth seeing, I would say. it's It has a few things that aren't great, but overall it's a very good movie. It got the first um, black woman on the number one Billboard chart, so that was nice. And yeah. Billboards for music. You know what I mean. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, yeah, it's got some folks in it. If you've seen Misfits, the uh, British yeah. show, uh, uh, b- 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 Curtis is in it. Oh, really? And he plays a very American, very gay man, and it is weird. Really? It's weird, because oh, I'm so used to strange. him being just such a heavy, like, deep London accent. And it's just him as, like, a very, like, kind of preppy, gay urbanite. Wasn't that funny? Oh, there's also a very funny reoccurring theme of, like, black people don't do curses. Like, black people don't do witchcraft, like, yada, like, yeah. we, we don't need to summon things. Like, it's just, it's a reoccurring theme. It's very fun. Anywho, those are my turns, and what is between them. Very good. I am going to defer to you for your small dern while I look up what we're watching next week. Okay. Uh, my little dern, not so little, runtime of over two hours. Oof. Um, well, that'll and that is the 2005 film Happy Endings. 
Ooh, is this about what I think it's about? A little bit, yeah. Oh, ooh. A little rub and tug kind of sitch. A little bit, yeah. Um, This movie was something else. If anyone else has seen this movie, I would love to know your thoughts. Um, (laughs) It's, I wouldn't call it especially good, but sort of, but very interesting. Um, It starts with a, a woman... Lisa Kudrow. Yes. Phoebe from Friends, of course. Uh, here with dark hair. She's running down the street and she gets hit by a car. Oh. And uh, we get sort of a freeze frame. Yeah, they just drew Barry Mortar. <laughs> Thank you. Text on screen lets us know that she is not dead. Uh, the text continues that nobody dies on screen because it's a comedy, sort of. Uh, this is a narrative device we're going to get throughout, is this text on screen. Um, I think generally it works well. It's mm-hmm. kind of fun. It, it adds levity to some, some darkness, really. And then we get a flashback to 20 years earlier, and it is 1983. We meet Charlie Pepitone, her new... Uh, that's just the name of the character. Oh, I was going to say, like, know. I know a Pepitone, and I was like, oh, Eddie um, Pepitone. A 16-year-old who is her new stepbrother. Ooh. He's English. Ooh. And as the on-screen text lets us know, he's a virgin for ten more minutes. Because teen Lisa Kudrow bangs her stepbrother. Guess what? She's pregnant. Uh-oh. Now that's the part of porn you never get to see. <laughs> when the stepsister day? gets pregnant. <laughs> um, the, the next screen says, abortion day. Off to Phoenix. Charlie will stay behind. Uh, so then we go back to present day. Now Lisa Kudrow is a grown woman. Her name is Mamie. Um, her mother and stepfather were killed in a drunk driving accident. Bummer. And she has an ex-husband who is a gambler. Oh, oh the, the text on screen. Again, throughout like half this movie is reading. Uh, don't worry if you don't like her. Her ex-husband was a gambler. So maybe that accounts for a lot. <laughs> she starts getting a massage from a man named Javier. She goes into like a, a massage parlor. I was going to ask if we were at a parlor. Thank you. Yes. And the man is named Javier. It's implied that she doesn't know who this is. Mm-hmm. And he starts getting very sexual. Ooh. But it's sort of a ruse. It's her boyfriend. And they're like sort of doing a role play. Ah. He is a massage therapist. He is played by Bobby Cannavale. Who I'm just going to pull up a picture for you, Nick. Listeners, if you're not sure who that is, just check out Bobby Cannavale. You'll be like, oh, that dude. Oh, that dude. See? He's so handsome. He is. Wasn't he in a Star Wars recently? Yeah, probably. He's in a bunch of shit. <laughs> He's in Jumanji and Mr. Robot. Oh! And Vinyl. Oh! And Jackie. Oh! And Blue Jasmine. Oh! Sorry, I've been doing a lot of, uh, what's-his-face lately. Andrew Dice Clay. Love that. I haven't been listening to him. I've just been doing the things he does. <laughs> I don't know why. I think he's channeling me. That's enough. Like, he's he's just at a Ralph somewhere, and he goes out of his body, and he just comes to me, and he goes, Oh! Anyway, sorry for that. Great stuff, Nikki. Sorry for that. Um, 
So, Javier. Yes. Bobby Cannavale as a Mexican man in this film. Beautiful. Um, and a very funny, so he's sort of flamboyant, larger than life. He's, he's very fun. He's, he's a delight in this film. Um, we learn that Mamie, Lisa Kudrow, works in an abortion clinic. She, like, counsels, uh, women who are considering getting abortions. I thought you were just going to say she counts the abortions. She counts them She's up. got one of those little clickers. <laughs> one, two, three. Uh, then we find out who Charlie, her stepbrother, is. He's gay now. Nice. He and Mamie never talked about 19 years ago. And he is played by the delightful British man, Steve Coogan. Ah! Steve yeah. Coogan. Did he just die? No. Uh, somebody British just died. Charlie Watts, the Rolling Stones drummer? No, no, no. A British comedian. It doesn't matter. It clearly wasn't him. I don't think he died. That'd be weird. Um. Then we so he has a partner named Gil. Mm-hmm. Gil's boring. Whatever. I don't uh, give a shit about very... Gil. Gil. I mean, but anyone's boring next to Steve Coogan. And <laughs> we meet none other than the one, the only, the uh, future Elizabeth Holmes herself, Ms. Laura Dern. <gasps> oh, there she is. She is in a lesbian relationship. Nice. And she is friends with Gil Hell and yeah. Charlie. And they have, uh, she and her partner have a two-year-old named Max. Whoa. Oh, we're both in this movie. There's a Nick and a Max. Oh, look at that. Hell yeah. This first I'm time two, this has happened. And you're a piece of shit. Oh, but we'll, well. <laughs> Good to know. And so she has, so we learned that Gil, they wanted Gil to donate his sperm when they wanted a child. Mm-hmm. But that it ended up not working out. Okay. He spilled it. We meet, we get sort of the, um, Charlie runs a restaurant that their parents owned. And that's sort of the the through line. Mm-hmm. The Robert Altman-esque connection between all these different characters. Um, one of them we meet is a man named Otis. A young man who works at the restaurant. He's young and he's maybe lonely. And he jacks it to security footage of Steve Coogan mopping shirtless in the kitchen. So he may be gay or at the very least exploring his sexuality. Different strokes for different folks. And we meet uh, a young Maggie Gyllenhaal. Ooh. Sorry, what year was this film? This is 2005. Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, five. After the towers went down. And Maggie Gyllenhaal is, she's doing karaoke at the restaurant, so that's why she's there. Mm-hmm. And then we meet, uh, we meet Nikki. So this young piece of shit guy. Yeah. Um, played by, have you ever seen Bring It On? Yes, yes I have. Uh, the, the love interest guy, dark haired guy. Yeah. Jesse Bradford, I want to say. So now he's a piece of shit? And he's, but he's like scuzzy, long haired, like, he's a dirt Oh, guy. like you. Yeah, exactly. But he's named Nick, like Ooh. you, except he spells it correctly, I assume. <laughs> he, uh, so he shows up at Lisa Kudrow's place. And this gets a little weird. He's, he's a young documentarian. And he says, I know your son, who apparently wasn't aborted. We were led to believe that when she had this pregnancy, she 
aborted it, but she did not. And he knows that. This young guy shows up and he knows her secret. And he says, I will bring you to your son so long as I can film it. Because then that's going to get me a scholarship in the American <laughs> Film Institute. Yikes. He is a shameless piece Man, of shit. Worse than an improv person. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and she's... <laughs> when he says to her, he goes, I'm so glad you're not a dog. People want to look at good looking people. <laughs> so he's like hitting on her. <laughs> you want to like, have another abortion? <laughs> <laughs> and she, at first she's like, she doesn't want to do it. She's like, no, if he wants to, you can find me. And... He's like, well, give me 25,000 bucks, and then I won't make the movie. He, like, is trying to, like, extort her on this, but I don't understand what she has. I never figure out what leverage he has over her. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he he needs her involvement. (laughs) Yes. Huh. But anyway, so that leads to... Oh, and we learn, the the text tells us uh, she never told anyone about the baby... Not even Charlie, her stepbrother. And so she tells, the first person she's telling about this is Javier. And she tells him the father's dead. But they go to like snoop around scumbag Nikki's hotel room. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. But then he shows up, he pulls a gun on them. And she's like thinking fast. She's like, I have a documentary subject for you. It's Javier. Um, because he's an immigrant and a sex worker. <laughs> and is, I still... Is he? He isn't, I though. don't know. Okay. They... There are times when it suggests he's not and they're lying, but then there are other times where he's like... Where I think maybe he has at least give, given a few handies on the old massage that table. That does sound like a um, happy ending to me. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's why they called it that. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. Now back to so we just hop between. Now we've intru- we've met most of the characters. We Maggie Gyllenhaal is now practicing as a singer in Otis's band. Who saw her doing karaoke? Oh my god! It was Otis Redding the whole <gasps> time. The young white gay man is Otis Redding. Crazy. Wow. Man, well, you can't do it with computers in 2005. And you know who else is in the band? Who else? Uh, the main guy that I hate from Big Bang Theory. I, I, most people hate a lot of people in the, the Big Bang. The main guy. Oh, the... The not talented one. The, the one... The little the, dorky one. Oh, the little dorky one. The one that was in Roseanne? Well, three of them are little dorky ones, I guess. The one with glasses? That's not Indian? I don't know. Everyone else knows who I'm talking I, about. No, they... The guy who's not Sheldon. Yeah. The white guy who's the main guy. Who yeah. Who's like right across the The guy from that was in Roseanne. Sure. Wasn't he? he? Yeah. Oh. He lived with them. For, he, he was like, Roseanne? he was the daughter's boyfriend. Oh. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that He's guy. He's in the band. We don't cool. see him much. Uh, so Maggie Gyllenhaal starts putting the shakes on Otis. And he is deeply uncomfortable because he's like an awkward homosexual man. Who isn't? And she talks him into it, but he's still very uncomfortable. But they have sex. And the next morning, oh, we learn a little bit about his story. One, Mm -hmm. his family has a lot of cash. 
And two, his dad, he's, he's afraid of his dad finding out that he's gay. And the next morning, she meets his dad, who's none other than Tom Arnold. That's weird. Yeah, that's that's oh. suspicious. We're just we're just getting started. Oh god! And she goes, "You totally owe me." He doesn't think you're a mo anymore. Like she's like she's super like tarted up, flirtatious, just like um, very <laughs> intentionally. And at some point in this, we learn that she uh, is also a gold digger. Ah, good. Maybe you could see where this is headed. So now let's go back to Charlie and Gil. Yes. Charlie, Steve Coogan, he has this hunch. He thinks that Dern and her partner are lying and they think the kid is Gil's. They they donated the sperm and he thinks it's him. So he's like, they're having dinner with with them and he's trying to like, he's trying to fish for answers about like, how long they kept sperm and things like that. And he's like, he wants to get, uh, steal a lock of the two-year-old's hair <sighs> to do a DNA sample. Good lord. Uh, meanwhile, Mamie, Lisa Kudrow, mm-hmm. buys, she's so now invested in this, this extortion that I still don't understand. She buys Nikki a video camera. And is basically going to be his producer of this film and, like, editor. And she has Final Cut Pro. And will be, like, editing his movie that they're making. Even though they're intentionally lying. Even if Javier is a sex worker, which I'm not sure if he is. Like, they're, it's all a fake story is what they're going for. Yeah. Huh. Now, Maggie. Oh, her name's Jude. But I'm gonna call her Maggie because it's Maggie Chillin. Yeah, you're the She far. needs a place to say stay. Oh, she also likes drugs. Ah, and well. she convinces Tom Arnold to let her stay at their house, and then she tells Otis she wants to fuck his dad, and if he's not cool with that, she's gonna tell him Otis is gay. Oh, uh, this might be a good time for me to give my like my one-line synopsis of this film. Yes. And it is love actually <laughs> if everybody was a piece of shit. <laughs> um, That's which good. in some ways makes it better than love actually. You you did seem to have a lot of problems with love actually. But hey, <laughs> at Christmas, you can't lie. You can't tell a lie. Can't everybody lie. knows. But the queen'll get you. So Charlie now he tells Dern he his plan now is to get Dern to confess this truth mm-hmm. that may or may not be true that they use his partner's sperm for their kid and he's he tells Dern that Gil has like a terminal illness and he's dying but like don't mention anything to him <laughs> this won't backfire it does backfire when we um so they're all having basically Dern is like oh my god Gil I'm so sorry I heard what's you know what's going on she's like and Charlie's like don't I told you not to say anything and Gil's like what the fuck is happening she's like I couldn't you're my best friend like I couldn't not say anything but so all of this leads to they find out that Steve Coogan was you know this is all a con to get them to admit something. And 
the net later they Dern gives them uh, a report, a DNA report. She says, "We d- I lied. We did keep the sperm and was able to run this DNA test that shows that Gil is not the father of Max. And the reveal here, she says, I'll tell you, but the lie we were telling you is that we, we never told you why we didn't want Gil to be the father. It was because of all the cheating. So Gil was cheating on Charlie uh-huh. and confessed this to his friend Laura Dern. And so now Charlie's hit with like a freight train with this realization that his partner was like thinking of leaving him and was cheating on him for a long time. And like thematically, I like what this movie's going for. It's sort of like, it sort of humanizes and highlights the, the fucked up things in our relationships they'll think oh here our main character slept with her stepbrother um but is still not like a, a monster for it and there's the cheating and there's the gold digging and so everyone it's like kind of highlighting this is messy but we're all human yeah but it doesn't but it would hit harder if we liked any of these fucking people <laughs> because they are not nevertheless all kind of repulsive in their own way <laughs> uh so now javier is shooting the documentary he's got like a mexican john waters mustache oh dear god which is just a delight <laughs> and Oh, uh, Dern calls Charlie a miserable F-word. I will say this movie, a lot of, like, especially in 2005, you wouldn't have too many mainstream movies that really highlight gay relationships as much as this one does. But it has some really, like, feels kind of homophobic language and attitudes that are very flippant. And, like, this is a lesbian saying that about a gay man. It's weird. Yeah. Especially because, like, none of these people are actually gay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't see Coogan gay. I have no idea what his sexuality is. But you're probably right. Um, Let's see. Maggie Gyllenhaal bangs Tom Arnold. (coughs) Something everyone always wanted to happen. Tom Arnold's kind of a delight here because he's sort of, he's, he's a dad and he's awkward and he's sort of like in disbelief that this hot young thing is interested in him, but he's sort of like going with it. Like he knows he's got a lot of money and like, but he just wants companionship and interest. And so he's a little bewildered, but still like becomes very deeply enthralled and attached to her very quickly. Man, oh, this is a long movie. I have so much shit to get through. <laughs> nope, we did that. So, oh, so then Tom Arnold proposes to her in oh, bed. God. And she says yes. Oh, remember, Lisa Kudrow, she's editing Nikki's documentary. All this to, like, maybe meet her kid. <laughs> and... She's editing footage of him talking to Javier, like, presumably off-camera, but the camera's rolling. And Javier admits, tells him about how he ha- he's married 
and he has a green card marriage. Oh. But Mamie is blindsided by this fact. Uh, She confronts Nikki about it, and they make out. Her good <laughs> shitty documentary. Come on. But then she pulls back. Then the two of them stake out Javier's wife. And okay, so we we covered that. Yada yada yada. Let's see. Charlie admits to Gil that he wasn't born sterile. He got a vasectomy when he was twenty-one after getting a girl pregnant. And that, that's kind of a nice scene, because, oh, he tells him this right after finding out that Gil was cheating on him. He's like, why would you tell me that? And he was like, I was hoping it would make me feel even to hmm. like, tell you a lie <laughs> that I was keeping from you. Maggie Gyllenhaal, guess what she is? Pregnant. Yep. Guess who's the father? Tom Arnold. Or maybe or it's his, his son. son. We don't know. Messy, messy, and messy. she doesn't know. Yikes. And that's rough. <laughs> so now I'll keep, I'll do it in the order they do it. I'll keep hopping. Okay. So Mamie and Javier and Nikki are watching the, like, the first cut of the film. And Nikki includes an interview that the other two didn't know were going to be there with Javier's green card marriage wife. And Javier gets super pissed because he's like, I'm going to get fucking deported. This is illegal. And he punches Nikki in the face. Nikki's got a gun. He's like a skeezy guy with a gun. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) He's just got it. Why not? Then Jude, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Shows up at Mamie's abortion clinic. And she's like, yo, I want to get that bort bort. <laughs> Does she say that? No, but I she was... would. <laughs> she would. It's a great performance and she's the worst of them all. Ooh. And she's like... So... She she was holding the sort of leverage over Otis, like, I'm going to tell your dad's gay if you tell him that, like, I'm <laughs> marrying him for his money or anything like that. And Otis spills the beans and tells Tom Arnold, his dad, uh, that she's only after his money and all this shit. And the two of them confront her. And Otis says when they do, he's like, and he doesn't care that I'm gay. And Tom Arnold's like, well, it's not that I don't care. <laughs> well, what is it? He says, well, it's not good news, but you're my son. Which is kind of funny and pretty fucked up at the same yeah. time. There's bigger problems yeah, right now. exactly. Oof. And they're about to kick her out. And she's like, I'm pregnant. But, and then they're like, oh, bullshit. Like, we, we see what, that's a ruse, what you're trying to do. And she's, she, like, walks it back. She's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not fucking pregnant. I lied. It was worth a shot. And she, like, flips him off and leaves. And then actually does get the abortion. Hmm. We get uh, another text card. Six months later, there are a lot of endings. Charlie... Goes to a urologist to see if his vasectomy is reversible. It's unclear what the results say. 
But the doctor, a very handsome man, asks him out. Oh. And they, we will learn not too long after, uh, will be together for some time. I know your cummer don't work, but I still <laughs> want to take you out. <laughs> Uh, Tom Arnold goes to Otis's band sh- band's show, and he meets uh, a w- young woman named Lane, who I've not talked about, but is Maggie Gyllenhaal's friend, who's <laughs> like equally just a piece of shit hot young woman. Nice, nice. And he's hitting on her, and they're like about to go for like a drunken joyride, but he's he's backing out of the parking lot and rear ends um, her front and his rear reversed uh hits mamie's car ah and oh tom (laughs) the text will tell us frank dates lane for four months she leaves with with his lexus and lots of jewelry which she sells right away (laughs) frank pays lane's cell phone bill for a year before he realizes it then he pays for another six months (laughs) which is one of my favorite parts because it it does seem to encapsulate his character in the past that's so sad. What a buildo tree <laughs> existence. Just getting played by these women. Oh. Uh, Otis gets with a guy in his band, and they stay together for six years. In twenty years, twenty years from now, he's happier than everybody else in this story. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Otis deserves it. He seems like the least piece of shit of all yeah, these characters. Yeah, he's a boy. He's the only savable person. <laughs> um, Mamie. Goes to Phoenix and shows up at Nikki's house. And Charlie is with her, but she goes to the house alone. Mm-hmm. Nikki, of course, being a piece of shit filmmaker. Of course, of course. And she meets his brother, Tom, who looks strikingly like Steve Coogan. Huh. And what we learn in that moment is that, that Nikki's brother, Tom, is her child. Huh. And we also learn offhand from uh, his sister, precocious young woman, that uh, (laughs) Nikki's the black sheep who once torched his family's garage. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Mamie kind of pieces all this together that this is her son and freaks out and runs away and gets hit by a car. Uh, Like from the beginning of the movie. Um... We uh, we get a little. Oh, then text tells us eight years later they uh, Tom the son reaches out to her, doesn't recognize her from the, as the crazy woman who showed up and got hit by the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's about to get married, and he wants to meet his biological parents. They're not invited to the wedding, but they email for a bit, and then the emails fade off, and he just fizzles out, and there's not really anything there. Which is sort of like, huh? But it's also like, oh, that feels more honest. That feels real, which I I enjoyed. Um, Gil lives alone for now. He's reconciled with Dern and Dern's partner, and sees Max every Christmas, which is nice. Um, <laughs> there's this fun line, uh, Tom, about Tom reaching out to his parents. Tom's wife is like most of us, nothing but opinion. <laughs> uh, then our final title card, or final text card, 
Frank calls Mamie much more than he needs to after the car car accident. They're together within a year. So she ends up with Tom Arnold. But, like, knowing that, like, presumably he might still be with that other woman, or at the very least is still paying her cell phone bill. So that's not necessarily all spick and span. Yeah. And it's messy. Um, fun movie. The, like... The text thing, it really did kind of add a fun... There was a through line. You did feel like you cared about these characters. But the more you get to know them, the more it's like, yeah, they're they're all kind of fucking awful. I kind of... It seems interesting. I do want to watch this movie. But yeah, you are right. It does sound just like a fucked up love, actually. Yeah. Where everyone's awful and just self-serving and... Whew. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? And it, like, didn't have a happy ending, unless you're Otis. Oh, Tis. Yeah. Otis Redding in the French Ticklers. I don't know what his band was called. Destroyers? Oh, and Maggie Gyllenhaal does a bit of singing in this film, and did all... It's, it's really her singing, and you know what? She's got a good voice on her. Good job, M.G. One second. Otis Redding and the Knights. That's sure. his backing band. <laughs> Sorry, that was just for me. Well, we sure watched some movies this week. We did, didn't we? We did. You know what we're going to watch in another month when we do this again? Some movies? Some, some movies. Laura Dern Well, fair? actually, we're going to be watching the last Little Dern next week. I'll be blessed with that honor. Wow. My last Little Dern is going to be a movie called Brave Town. Um, There's a very short synopsis. Josh, a talented DJ, comes to a small town where he finds love and a friend, a place where he never thought he'd he'd belong. Way to go, Josh. So that's me, and you will be watching a movie called We Don't Live Here Anymore. I've heard of this film. I know. I thought we had watched it before, but I don't think we have. Let's pretty what do, sure. What do we got? But yeah, after this week, we have two weeks left, Max, and then we have to figure out what we're doing. 2003 drama. Ooh, little Mark Ruffalo. Ooh, Mark Ruffles. Naomi Watts. Marky Ruff Ruffs. Got Naomi. Two seemingly happy couples meet regularly for dinner, but in reality, the couple suffer from hidden discomfort in their <gasps> family lives. No. That'll be fun. Yeah. A little, Some more fucked little, up relationships yeah, stuff. A little, little betrayal. Can't wait. Cool. Yeah. Look at us. We're doing it. We're, we're here. We're podcasting. <laughs> doing some real podcast. Mm-hmm. Pod. Now that's what I call podcast. You can't outpod the cast. They were right about this medium. Avoid the noise. It'll spoil your podcast. It is. We are making money left and right. Keep sending those checks in. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go drive my solid gold Aston Martin home after this and enjoy my genie and swimming pool. And just a reminder, we do take crypto. Yes. In fact, we prefer it. All of your crypto, please address with it. Please send to us with a self-stamped envelope to um, Klondike974. Dern Studios. Seattle, Washington, 98434. That's where I keep my offshore banking information. In <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> I got a guy in Seattle. He promises it's legit. I don't know. Uh, well. Well. 
Until next time, thoughtful and loyal listener. See you later, Dernheads. Bye, Dern. Never forget us. Oh, Dern. Oh, Dern.